The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. FEBC's broadcasters are committed to use the Word of God and then effectively communicate it in the context that the people will best understand so that when they hear that, they'll come to faith. Coming up now on First Person, Ed Cannon of the Far East Broadcasting Company gives an update on a radio ministry that reaches millions with the basic gospel message. Welcome to this week's program. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Each week, we highlight the story of a guest and or ministry that is effectively proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. If you are a relatively new listener, please take a few minutes and survey the many interviews in our archive that reach back over 10 years. People from all walks of life serving Christ. Go to firstpersoninterview.com and click on the Listen button to scroll through the available conversations. First Person would not have the privilege of bringing you these interviews without our partnership with the Far East Broadcasting Company and its president, Ed Cannon. So from time to time, I'd like to bring you up to date on what God is accomplishing through FEBC's ministry. Ed joins me in the studio now to talk about this unique outreach, and later we'll hear a few outtakes from the FEBC podcast until all have heard. To start at the beginning, I ask Ed to tell us a little of FEBC's history. It was December 1945, right on the heels of the Second World War that we were incorporated, and it was formed by two men primarily, one who was a military communications professional serving in the South Pacific with uh, the United States Navy, and the other was a musician, believe it or not, Dr. Bob Bowman, who was uh, singing in the Haven Quartet at the Mm -hmm. time, those two men got the vision and put it together and said, uh, we used radio during the Second World War to defeat a common enemy. We can use that same radio to take the gospel into China. And that was the beginning. So FEBC was part of that post-World War II missionary outreach as as soldiers returned from the war and they wanted to go back. And, and reach countries for Christ. Yeah, and use the technology that was used during the war. So our intention was originally to start FM radio stations inside of China. Unfortunately, the communist revolution hit right after that. Missionaries were kicked out of China. But as God would have it, we planted radio stations in Manila, the Philippines. Shortwave, which we're still using to this very day to broadcast back into China and now into as many as 50 other countries. All right. You personally, your career began in the oil industry, and then God called you into ministry first at Moody Bible Institute. When did you learn about the Far East Broadcasting Company? When did God lay this ministry on your heart? Well, actually, I knew a little bit about it. I'd heard a little bit about it when I was working at Moody Bible Institute, but I wasn't really too engaged. We were completely focused on doing our radio and publishing and education work with Moody here in the United States. Uh, But at one point in time, several colleagues of mine reached out to me and said, hey, Ed, I think there's a job opening in this Far East Broadcasting Company, and I know your love for radio and your passion for international ministry, so why don't you think about applying? So 
I did. I didn't really have much interest in it at first, but things lined up according to the Lord, and eventually my wife and I packed up from Chicago and moved to California, and I've been there now for almost 10 years. You know, we've done hundreds of interviews on first person through the years, and the thread, the common thread always seems to be when you look back, you can see how God prepared you for the assignment that you have. You, you've experienced that. Yeah, I think so. I had this tremendous love for radio primarily because of what it did for me and my family. I mean, I saw the power of radio. And here in the United States, there's lots of radio stations, lots of churches. People have great access to the Bible. But in many places, like the places where FEBC serves, it's not so easy. But yet radio can penetrate boundaries and borders and difficult geographies and can pass through barriers where uh, hostile governments and religions can prevent missionaries from traveling, but radio can mm-hmm. be a great tool to get the gospel into the hearts and minds of people that are least reached. Like you, I've always known about the Far East Broadcasting Company, but it wasn't until about 10 or 11 years ago that I really began to get involved and see the scope of this ministry. So I want, I want our listeners to understand just how large a ministry this is, not in the sense of, you know, largeness for largeness mm. sake, but mm. just for the gospel's mm. sake, mm. the reach of FEBC. Mm. Well, we're preaching the gospel in over 50 countries in 143 languages currently. Some of the statistics that boggle my mind more than that, the winner, we're in almost 1,000 hours of live broadcasting a day. A thousand hours of live broadcasting every single day. And all these different languages in all these different countries and all these different hours, we have one common thing. The mission of FEBC is to proclaim the gospel. So we mm-hmm. only have one message. And what began as a shortwave ministry continues on shortwave radio, but it's branched out into every form of audio media available to us. I can't even keep track of the number of platforms these days. First, it was shortwave. Then we migrated into AM and then FM and then web pages and then social media and Facebook Live and And TikTok. And now WhatsApp and WeChat and Clubhouse. (laughs) It goes on and on and on names I can't even think of. And all these for the sole purpose of using the most effective technology to reach people where they are with the gospel of Christ. It's fascinating how God has gifted us with technology and simply asked us to use it for his purposes. Yeah, you wonder sometimes if God didn't create the technology just for this purpose, for the proclamation of the gospel. And I say amen to that because so many people look at the internet and all these things in a negative context because, of course, man uses it for evil purposes. But what man uses for evil, God uses for good. And he's given us the technology and we're going to do the best we can with it to accomplish his will and his desire. One of the first things I learned about FEBC was the fact that it's not just a bunch of American voices broadcast in these countries. It's actual local broadcasters who speak the language, who are a part of the culture. It's their native tongue, and they're able to reach their own people. That's amazing. That's our primary strategic pillar, because if you think about broadcasting the gospel, you need to first understand your audience, understand the culture that they come from, their background, how they think about God and spiritual things. So that as we communicate it, we communicate it in a way that they can see clearly uh, the way God works and what the Bible means to them. Of course, there's only one gospel. There's only one message. But 
people that come from a Buddhist background might think about spirits differently than Christians, or people that come from an absolute atheistic background think, well, there's obviously no God. Everything just evolved from where it was. So understanding the audience is important, and speaking in the local tongue, Hmm. the local dialects are critically important. And what we've learned over the years is that if you don't do that, people don't even listen. So it doesn't matter how good your content is. If they're not going to listen in the first place because they think it's a foreigner, well, then you haven't accomplished anything. What are there, some 900 broadcasters involved with FE? How do you find all these people? Well, I love the example. Uh, we have no idea how to find people. In countries that 95 or 98% are non-Christians, you have to find Christians who have good theology who have the kind of talent to be able to do broadcasting and then are going to be willing to work for an organization like FEBC, it is an impossible task considering the ways of the world. Humanly speaking, right? But nothing is impossible for God. And to quote our founder, who we talked about at the very beginning, Dr. Bob Bowman, people ask him that question, Dr. Bowman, how do you find these people? And his answer was very simple. You see, we don't find them. God brings them to us. (laughs) You have a Bible open in front of you. Are, you. are you thinking of any particular passage right now? Well, since I was just talking about Bob Bowman, the verse that I read at his funeral speaks so much to me to, about FEBC and the mission. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. That's what FEBC is all about. Can we say how beautiful are the voices of FEBC that preach the good news? (laughs) Certainly. I won't corrupt the gospel, but yet we can use that language. And FEBC is all about bringing the good news to people so that they come to faith in Christ. Another verse out of Romans 11 So when faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So FEBC's broadcasters are committed to use the Word of God and then effectively communicate it in the context that the people will best understand so that when they hear that, they'll come to faith. What about the future? What are some of your hopes and dreams for the future? Well, of course, there's still many languages. There's many people groups in the areas where we work that we haven't had an impact on. We've just started a new ministry, for example, to the Malay people in Malaysia, a very difficult place to work and a very difficult place to find people to broadcast. God has sent us two men, and we're starting a ministry there. So my vision for the future is for as many as we can find groups of people who have been unreached and then effectively put a team together that can communicate the gospel. The other thing, Wayne, is technology. It's changing faster than we're able to keep up. So we must keep our eye on the horizon of what's coming next and be leaders in getting the great content that our broadcasters put together on the right platforms, particularly so it affects the young people who have already ceased listening to old terrestrial radio, FM and AM, and they're on new platforms that you and I don't even know how to pronounce. Mm -hmm. Well, coming up in the second half, I want to feature some of the conversations that you and I have had 
with various people over the past few months concerning their ministry and the ministry of the Far East Broadcasting Company. So we'll focus on those coming up in the second half. But thank you, Ed, for what you do for Christ. And thank you. Thank God for the Far East Broadcasting Company. Well, it's my pleasure to work with you, Wayne. You have a big role to play in FBC as well. And grateful to be your partner. More with Ed Cannon and highlights of the podcast until all have heard coming up next on First Person. One year ago, I heard that one of FEBC's radio stations aired in our province, so I started to listen. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. So many Kazakh people here like listening to your radio broadcast, and we feel like a family because of it. Thank you so much for broadcasting to our nation. FEBC is dedicated to taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. To learn more, please visit febc.org. That's febc.org. In this excerpt from the podcast, Until All Have Heard, Ed Cannon talks with Russian Ministries Director Viktor Oktorov about growing up in Soviet Russia. In, in the school where I was, about a thousand people, students there, I was the only Christian. Mm. I was the only guy not wearing the red tie uh, and when when people ask me well um, when did you make the first kind of profession of faith it was when I was 11 and I was standing before my class all my friends and I decided to uh, to tell them I'm not going to be a pioneer or the young communist uh, and the teacher said why uh, and I said I'm I'm a Christian so that was my first kind of a formative, I would say, profession of faith uh, when when you do it in in the face of opposition. So that was my my childhood, mm-hmm. and um, my dad was in between um, prison terms. He spent two times in in Soviet prisons for his faith. So mm. uh, I was a child number five uh, in between those those prison terms. And so of he, course, you hear all the stories, and 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 that's that's how my, I I was growing up. So he was in prison. Because he was preaching the gospel, he was in prison because they built uh, a church in a town where there was no church, and yeah. it was all illegal, unofficial, and five of uh, mm. five of them were sent to to, to prison, mm. and that's mm. that was his his first term. Mm. Mm. What was his profession? What what did he do to feed the family? Well, uh, he was working all kinds of jobs. Um, um, the best job that he has uh, was being a scientist in Moscow, working in one of the most prestigious universities, having five assistants with PhDs and um, working on laser light technologies. Hmm. And he was uh, fired from that job because he was a Christian. Hmm. When he was... Um, uh, close to dying, we had this conversation with him for a couple hours, just mm. sitting, chatting about everything, mm. family and, and everything. And I was um, kind of thinking, I said, Dad, what was the most difficult part uh, of your life? And I thought he would speak about some prison experiences. He went through some horrible stuff there, of course. And he said, you know what, saying no to that scientific job was the most, the biggest sacrifice I had to say no to my dream, to my passion, mm-hmm. um, because the bigger passion was to follow Jesus and, yeah. and bring people to him. Yeah. It was kind of um, amazing for me to sit next to that mm-hmm. hospital mm-hmm. bed, and I dared to ask him 
the second question, and I said that since you're being honest here, tell me if you uh, ever felt sorry for making that choice. He was weak at that point, but he just started laughing and said, of course not. Mm. What are you talking about? Mm. Uh, nothing compares to, to the gospel mm. of Jesus Christ and to, to the way we, uh, we can interact with it and bring, um, bring it to other people. So many great lessons for us here in the United States who put a totally different meaning on sacrifice for the Lord. Uh, one of my favorite verses, it's in three of the Gospels, but it, Jesus says, if you would be my disciple, and everybody remembers, you'll pick up your cross daily and follow me, but very few recall what comes before that. He says, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And I think your father, Victor, has personified the deny yourself piece for the sacrifice of the Lord. And it's great for us to hear those kinds of stories because we just don't really see those kinds of examples as much here as as you've actually lived through. But you also find yourself as you deny yourself yeah. uh, in Jesus. That's yeah. And that, that's a part of his message as well. Yeah. That's Victor Oktaroff talking with Ed Cannon about his own story. Victor oversees FEBC's ministry in the countries of the former Soviet Union where listenership is on the rise. Next, another highlight from the podcast Until All Have Heard. This time, Ed is talking with our friend, Dr. Michael Rydelnik of the Moody Bible Institute. And you know what's the proof of the power of this gospel is that people that have never heard about Jesus, that have never grown up with a church on the corner of their block or going to Sunday school, they hear the gospel in its ultimate simplicity and they come to faith in great numbers. Mm -hmm. Unlike the stubborn people who we all know who won't listen, who won't come, but know much more about it. It's the simple power that the gospel brings with it when it's proclaimed properly and effectively. I, I think that's so essential that we keep it simple because that's how the Bible is. It's simple. And I think that what's happened with some cultures where we've had a lot of exposure the result is that we have complicated it. And even here in the United States, I think it'd be crucial. Let's get back to that simple message. It will really transform lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do want to mention something about how cross-cultural this is. Mm-hmm. And I happen to be speaking, uh, interim preacher at a congregation right now, and I'm going through the book of Ephesians. And just this past weekend, I preached on Ephesians two eleven through 22. And there it talks about the enmity between Jew and Gentile, that they were alienated from each other. And so what Paul says is that the Lord Jesus died, and he talks about the cross, as you talked about it uh, just a moment ago. Uh, It says that, uh, for he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh, he made to affect the law consisting of commands, and so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. So he wow. talks about how he reconciled Jew and Gentile. How does he do it? First, he says he reconciled us to God. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross and put the, hostil- the hostility to death. Here's the point of what he's making. He says there were Gentiles who were far off and Jews who were a little nearer. But through the cross, what Jesus did is he provided reconciliation to whatever culture, Jew or Gentile, and all the different Gentile cultures out there, all the nations, he reconciled us to God through the cross. So it doesn't matter what our cultural background is, 
we all come to God, we stand equally before the Lord through the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so he brings us uh, to, to God, reconciles us to God that way, so that we can be reconciled to each other. It's the only way that people of different ethnic backgrounds can actually love each other. Wow, Michael, what a relevant message for today. And I yeah. love that verse. One body through the cross. God reconciled us through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Yeah. No matter what politics is going to do or the news media or anything else, God says the one way to kill the hostility is through the cross. What a yeah. great message. Mm-hmm. Just a brief clip of a conversation with Dr. Michael Rydelnik about communicating the message of the cross. The Far East Broadcasting Company receives millions of letters and emails each year from grateful listeners. Here's one such letter which comes from Southeast Asia where the gospel message crosses borders and reaches deep into people's lives. I have accepted Jesus Christ into my heart, but the government tells me I am prohibited from becoming a Christian. They say that Christianity should not be practiced because it is not only a false religion, but an American religion. I know they are wrong. We thank the Lord for your daily teachings. By listening to your words, we now know there is someone who loves and cares about us and was willing to die for our sins. Keep the good news coming. Remember, we have no pastor and no Bibles. We are hungry for God's Word more than anything else in this world. I regret that I came to know the Lord so late in life and that I had to endure so much suffering without Him. Because of your broadcast, I now have a peace in my heart, which I never had before. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Wow, that is amazing, Ed. Here's a man who went from being curious and hearing the Word of God over a neighbor's radio. He went all the way to believing and becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, and then even beyond that, being concerned for his community, that they would come to Christ as well. Mm. That's amazing. He said, we hunger for God's Word more than anything in this world. And if that's not an absolute testimony to his commitment to Jesus Christ, I don't know what else you could say that's more powerful. We hunger for God's word more than anything in this world. It shames me, honestly, Wayne, because I want to have faith that's that sincere and that pure. I could listen to that line a hundred times and still get a tear in my eye thinking about these people in those circumstances, and how strong his faith has become in such a short period of time. Nothing is more powerful than the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, your word has what's driven us to have faith. It's not our word. It's that our broadcasters are accurately conveying Christ's words, the truth of the gospel. And he thanks the Lord for the privilege he has for that. Wow, what a lesson for all of us. Hmm. Thank you for listening to this week's First Person and a report from our partner ministry, the Far East Broadcasting Company. My thanks to Ed Cannon for joining us. We'll place links to FEBC's ministry at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. 
will also provide a link to the podcast until all have heard from which we heard selected portions just now. Next week, we'll resume our person-to-person interviews. In the days ahead, you'll hear a variety of people talk about their faith, as well as how they have been uniquely called of God to serve Him with their skill sets and gifts. Please check out the schedule of upcoming guests at firstpersoninterview.com. And please consider downloading our free smartphone and tablet app, giving you the ability to download interviews. Look for First Person Interview in your app store. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person. Thank you.